0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Barbie, pastor at Spring Branch Baptist Church in Nicholas, South Carolina. Our mission here at Spring Branch is to love people and lead people to Christ. I want to invite you to come visit our church, and I want to invite you to visit our website. Our website is www.springbranchbc.com. I hope that today God will richly encourage you through His Word. Acts 16 verse 16 in just a moment. Acts chapter 16 verse 16. I heard a story um, the other day of a young Indian man. He was um, decided he would just um, climb a, a summit that was nearby where he lived, so he took on his buffalo buffalo hide shirt, he put that on, and then he took this big, thick blanket, and he wrapped himself in it, and then he set off for his climb. He found his way to the top of the, um, the summit, and there at last he reached the, the, po- the peak of the summit, looked out among the expanse, saw the beautiful sight, the panoramic picture in his, where he could see everything that surrounded him, and he would just kind of swell up in pride about how awesome it was that he accomplished this great feat of climbing the summit. Suddenly, he saw a shadow of something moving below his feet. He looked down, and it was a snake. The snake was hungry and kind of a little pitiful, and the snake said something to him. He spoke to the young Indian boy, and he says, I am about to die. He said, it's too cold up here for me, and I am freezing. There is no food, and I'm starving. And he said to the young man, please wrap me under your shirt and take me down to the valley. The young man looked at him. and he says, no, 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 no. He says, I know you're kind, you're a rattlesnake. He says, if I pick you up, you'll bite me and kill me. And he said, no, said the rattlesnake, he says, I will treat you differently if you do this for me, and you'll be special, and I'll not harm you. After a few, a little bit more persuasion between the snake, the young man finally gave him. He took the snake, and he um, tucked it into his shirt, and he traveled down the mountain. He got to the end of the mountain, to the very bottom of the mountain. He reached into his, his um, shirt, pulled out the snake, laid it on the ground. And about that time, the snake immediately quarreled, rattled, struck, and planted his deadly fangs in the young man's leg. As the man fall, began to fall down from the, from the sting of the um, snake, he said to him, but you promised. said to the young man as the, the venom began going through his bloodstream, snake responded, you knew what I was when you picked me up. It's a tragic story. Today I really believe it's a very true story. It's not maybe it's a fictional story that I told you, but it's very true that there is a very real evil out there in our world. You know, there's a survey that was put out across America where the people really believed that there was a true Satan or a true devil. And there's a lot of people who actually don't not believe that there is a real Satan, there's a real devil. But can I tell you, there is a real evil out there, and there really is a real devil, and there real, is a real Satan. And he's alive and well. And I believe he has an intent for you. He has a desire for you. He has a desire for me. And I believe Satan and his evil power is real, and I believe his desire for you and for me is that he would lead you to your spiritual and physical death Solely based on you believing a lie, you believing that you can entertain Satan, carry him a little bit, have some of his desires in you, and that it will ultimately be okay. And by you believing that lie, living that lie, he wants to lead you right to your very own spiritual slash physical death at times. So this morning is a very strong, a very interesting passage of scripture. But it's a story of uh, uh, evil and evil's intent for believers and for unbelievers. And so this morning I want us to walk through this passage of Scripture and we're going to see a, a real evil happening in the Bible. Now, I want you to see what its desires was for believers and what its desires for unbelievers. And then this morning I want you to see what Jesus' power has to do with evil. So let's look at the passage of Scripture. It's Acts 16, starting in verse 16. Will you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? We're going to read a few passages here. It says, As they were going to the place of prayer, where they met by a slave girl who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out, of her, it came out that very hour. But when the owners saw what hope of game was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray as we approach this passage of Scripture, God, we would not um, believe the lie that Satan is not real and that his power is not real in this world, but, God, we would um, know from Scripture, we would believe through Scripture that he is alive and well today and that, God, he seeks to devour um, us. He seeks to destroy us. Lord, he seeks to um, um, lead us to believe a lie that would ultimately lead to our physical and spiritual death. So God, may you, as we open up your word, may you give us discernment to understand. May you give us ears that are attentive to your word. And God, may you give us a heart that will respond, Lord, to how you lead us today. God, may we just be focused in on worshiping you through your word. And God, as you speak through me, God, I pray you would give me the thoughts so you give me words that, Lord, are not are my own, but Lord, would give me your words. God, they don't need a sermon from Jonathan this morning. They need a sermon from you. So God, may you speak through me in a very clear way. And God, as you speak, Lord, may you lead us to follow what you have for us today. In your name, we pray. Amen. The Bible. I want you to first just understand. The first verse says, "As they were going to the place of prayer, they met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune t- telling." I understand a couple things about this slave girl. First, the Bible says to us she had a spirit of divination. Now. Understanding in that of the passage of scripture, if you take the Greek word, the Greek word is understood as a Pythonian um, spirit. It was derived by a Greek me- uh, myth um, that believed that there was a snake that guarded um, uh, a city called Delphi. It was actually a temple there, Delphi. And it was where the Greek gods lived, and it was known as Pythania. And that, that um, serpent was understood as guarding that temple. And it was believed, according to the Greek mythology, that Apollo killed the serpent. But it's also believed that that serpent left its presence there at that temple. And the priestess that lived in the temple were, um, if you will, possessed by the spirit. And it was understood that the spirits um, possessed the women, the priestess, and it would direct them to um, foretell the future, which was understood in this modern time as soothsaying. And so here's a real sense in this passage of Scripture. When they used the Greek word of Pythonian spirit, they believed that this woman was possessed. And in their minds, for many of them who lived in the city, who were Roman and Greeks, they believed that she was possessed by the Pythonian spirit because she was able to foretell the future. There's also understanding the Pythonian spirit was also understanding that um, you, it was used for ventriloquism. Now, what is that? Ventriloquist is this, a person who has a puppet, right? And they use their words, right, to speak through another object. So there's this understanding that as she spoke, there was something inside of her that was speaking. and She was not speaking herself. Do you understand? It was something inside of her that was using her object to speak. Do you understand? And so, so here we have this understanding that this woman has a... Sp- She was possessed. She has a spirit that's living inside of her that's not her own. And then secondly, we understand that when she speaks, when she foretells the future, that she's speaking from something else that is within her. Do you understand that? And so we see, we understand that. The second part of this, we understand from this passage, is that she was slave. There's an account that understands that, um, through historical accounts, we understand that these ladies were very... um, This was somewhat of a common thing in a way um, through Roman and Greek areas that you would see young ladies like this. And most of the time they were understood as young, beautiful ladies, um, or sometimes they were older witches. And so we understand that by them and what they would do many times is they'd be sold in slavery and slave masters would own these ladies and then use their services as financial gains. And we understand this from scripture, um, that this lady is used by her masters to make money. Magic was used, or oracles or fortune tellings were used in four different ways in, the, um, in historical um, times. Here it was used to protect a person from misfortune, so she would predict some, somebody's f- um, future in order for them to avoid trouble in their future and their life. It was used to attack someone else, it was used to win people over, and lastly, it was used to call out to um, the Greek gods. And so, those are different four areas. So, what someone would do was they would come to her and they would say, I need her to tell my my future, because I feel like um, something's bad about to happen to me, and they would give um, the slave owners money, and then she would, through that spirit, tell um, predict the future. We see this in our modern times of fortune tellers who read tarot cards and who do different things like this. is a lot like what she would do. She would make money off of this, but it was not money that she would get. It was money that her slave owners would get. Do you actually know that Groman and Reek, um rulers, commanders, before they would go out to any battle, they would make sure they would get someone like her and they would, she would predict whether they would win the war or not and they would not go to war until they had a fortune teller tell them what was going to happen. This was something that was very real in this time of um, life. But the Bible says here, and here I want you to see all these things about her. We know that she has a a spirit um, within her. We know, secondly, that she's she's used as a slave. Now I want to walk through and see what she does, the evil, let's say this, what the evil inside of her intent is for, first, unbelievers the bible says that in this passage of scripture that as paul and silas and timothy and luke probably all together here in verse 16 are going through a place of prayer and we understand last time we a couple times when we met when lydia and they led lydia to the lord they met lydia by the pool outside the city so we understand here they're making their way outside the city and as they make their way outside the city they meet this slave girl Now, the Bible says this slave girl, the Bible says in verse 16, followed Paul and us. And she cried out, so she followed them. Now, I think that's important. It doesn't mean, I mean, you would think that a man of God, now think about this, a Christian, a believer who's got the anointing of God on him, that evil would want to resist. It wouldn't want to be around. It wouldn't want to attack. It wouldn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus, right? Wouldn't have nothing to do with, with um, Jesus' people or believers. But it's the exact opposite in this passage. She follows them. It's not that she doesn't want to have anything. She's determined to go after where they are. She's tracking them. And I think it's important for us, folks. Evil, listen, just because you're a believer doesn't mean evil doesn't go after you. It follows you, it attacks you, it goes after you, it tracks you down. It is not something that avoids you because you're a believer. And for Paul and Silas and these men, this evil person followed them, but this is what she did. The Bible says first, as she followed them, she cried out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. The Bible says in here that she cries out, now, I really believe because they used that word, when she cries out here, it didn't sound like a woman. I believe it sounded like somebody totally contrary to what she originally sounded like because they used the word ventriloquism. She spoke out in another voice, and she spoke out, These men are men of the Most High God. Now, you say, and I say when I first read that, that doesn't make sense. That actually sounds pretty good. I mean, she sounds like a good politician. I mean, she's campaigning for these men. Hey, these are good men. These are men you should follow. That's kind of what it sounds like, doesn't it, when we read it. But on the contrary, his, what she's doing here is she's speaking against what they are saying. And here's the first point here I want you to see. What is evil intent for, God, for unbelievers? First, evil desires To deter people from the gospel. First and foremost, evil seeks to deter people from God's word from the gospel. Well, how do you mean that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says that she says very first in this passage of scripture, um, she followed us saying, These men are from the Most High God. Now we understand that where was she? She was in Philippi. Philippi was what? A Roman and Greek city. There was very, very few Jews there. So we understand there was so small a group of Jews that they didn't have a synagogue. They met, what, outside the city by a pool of water. So there's hardly any um, Bible presence um, in this part. People, people in this city didn't know about God. The only God they knew was what? Zeus. They greet gods and the other gods and the gods who taught, who taught them these. The people like Her. She's the one who would, what they would pay her, and they would send a message to the Greek gods through her. She's the one that led them into worshiping other gods. You see that? So here's this lady. Paul is going to share the gospel with people, go share the truth of God's word with people. She's following them, and she's saying they worship the Most High God. And the Greeks and the Romans, when they used the word God there, even though in the Old Testament it was commonly understood as the true God, for the Greek and the Romans, you know she would be understanding, their understanding of what she says. Oh, they worship who they're talking about is Zeus. And she would be leading these people. Paul would give testimony and she would stand up and say, they worship the most high God, Zeus. And so instead of truly understanding and coming to know God, the Romans and the Greeks would be seeking after who, Zeus? She would deter them from true belief in God to belief in another God. And folks, listen to me this morning. That is evil's desire for you. Its desire for you is for you to not worship the true God, but to worship another God. You know who Minaj is? Y'all know who that is? Many of y'all know, and our teenagers probably know exactly who that is. That is a very popular, one of the most popular vocal artists in our world right now. Pepsi has sponsored her. She's on a lot of commercials. Do you know she says in an interview, and actually last year in the Grammys, she says there's a demon, demon who lives inside of her, and his name is Roman. Do you know last year in the Grammys, she performed a demon exorcism on stage in her performance during the Grammys? Do you know she says that demon inside of her is so strong, it actually could not be exercised during that performance? That is a role model that our teenagers are watching. You know, um, by the way, just to tell you a little bit more, do you know a lady named Lady Gaga? You know Lady Gaga said in an interview with New York Magazine last year, this is her words, parentheses, what I have discovered that is in art, as in in music, There is a lot of truth, and then there's a little lie. She said the artist essentially creating his work to make this lie a truth, but then slides it in amongst all the other lies. The very timely lie is the moment, listen to this, I live for my moment, the moment the audience falls in love. It's Lady Gaga, one of the most popular artists in our world today. And she essentially says, my desire is what? To lead people to live to believe what? A lie. For the demon-possessed girl in Acts 16, you know what she lived for that day in following Paul and them? Silas? She wanted everybody who heard her to believe, not in the true God, but to believe in a lie, Zeus. And folks, listen to me today. That is evil's intention for you. You know what I really believe with all my heart? She gives us a glimpse of something right here. Does Satan and evil in this world doesn't so much desire for you not to worship? No, they want you to worship. They just don't want you to worship God. They want you to worship something else. They want you to worship a lie. Devote your life for something that has no value. Something that's going to fade away. Something that's going to die in the end of this world. That's what Satan's desire is for you. Teenagers, Satan's desire for you is to worship a boy or a girl. Think, if I could just date this boy, if I could just date this girl, my life would be happy, I would be fulfilled, I would be satisfied. For some teenagers, if I just could get on this football team or if I could just be a part of this basketball, and some teenagers worship sports, for some teenagers worship Some other thing, adults, Satan wants you not, he he doesn't um, not want you to worship, he wants you to worship. And for some of you, he wants you to worship, and the God that he wants you to worship is money. To think, if I could just make a little bit more, if I could just do a little bit more, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied, I'll be content. And he wants you to worship the God of money. For some, he wants you to worship the God of your hobbies. If I could just accomplish this in my hobby, if I could just gain this, he wants you to worship that some of he for some of you he wants you to worship your drugs and think if i could just have that next high i'll be okay satan doesn't want to take you he doesn't want you to worship he wants you to worship he just wants you to worship a lie and it's all a lie that what that these things will satisfy us can I tell you, folks, listen to me very clear today. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy you except a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to see, secondly, in this passage, what evil's desire was, that evil's intent was. Evil intent sought to deter unbelievers from, um, from the gospel, and evil seeks to disturb believers from sharing the gospel. He wants you to take you away from worshiping the, God, the true God. But secondly, evil's desire for you has disturbed you from sharing the gospel. The Bible says in this passage of scripture that she cries out, um, these are servants of the most high God. And then listen to verse 18. The Bible says, and this she kept doing for many days. And the Bible says, Paul having become greatly annoyed, annoyed turned and said to to the spirit the bible says that this evil thing didn't encounter them just one day but day after day after day after day after day she sought to deter people from the gospel day after day after day she sought to disturb the believers from sharing the gospel I believe she did this because she didn't want people to believe in the true God or the spirit, the evil within inside of her, let me say it that way, didn't want them to believe in the true God. And I believe the evil inside of her did not want Paul and Silas to be encouraged by what God was doing. But on the contrary, she wanted them to be discouraged, disturbed, and give up with sharing the gospel. Their word there for in the Greek um, for annoyed there. Is the Greek word of diponistes and that word there means be disturbed or burdened by something for Paul as she did this day after day I really believe this this upset Paul this is not that he was just annoyed I mean this is not like when somebody's clipping their fingernails and you're like please just stop you know it's not that kind of annoying thing or when somebody's doing something you don't like Okay, that's not kind of annoying here. This here in this passage of Scripture, Paul was burdened. He was disturbed. He was upset. And I can imagine day after day, he would get up and he says, man, yesterday was awful. That crazy woman was going after us. She was telling people that we were gods of Zeus and I about just couldn't take it. And he says, and it upset me because these people were trying to share God's word with were, were believing in Zeus, not believing in the true God. And I believe he was upset about it. And then he got up the next day and he went and did it again. And there she was. She followed him again. There she was, deterring people from the gospel. There she was, um, speaking lies against them and she, he said, man, I just can't take this. Here's people need the gospel. They need the truth of God's word. And every time we want to share and she just stands in our way, I just can't take it. And she just get frustrated and more frustrated. And I really believe with all my heart that Paul got to a place that says, you know what? I just don't know if it's worth it. Every time we go out there, she's out there. Every time we go share, she's saying something. Every time we go tell them something that we think they're on a point that they're going to make a decision and they just believe a lie and they don't believe in the truth and they're still following their old sinful life and I don't see them ever making a change. I don't see we ever making a difference in Philippi and I just think we'll quit. I just can't take it anymore. And that's exactly what the spirits the evil spirit's desire was for Paul. To bring him to a place where he says it's just not worth it to share God's word with people. I face too much antagonism from people. I face too much opposition from people. When I go share God's word with them, they don't ever believe me. They believe the lies from this world And I just don't feel like I'm ever getting anywhere. It's just not worth it. I just can't do it. I'm not going to share. Can I tell you that's exactly what evil wants for you. He wants to deter you from worship. But listen to me. Be as clear as I can with you. Jesus' last command was you for what? Go. What? Make disciples of all nations baptizing in my name. The last God's command for you was to go and share and the very, very thing that Satan does not want you to do is share the gospel and he'll do everything he can every day to stop you, disturb you, to discourage you from doing what God's called you and commanded you to do. And it's happened throughout all the ages. There's this great book called Tortured for Christ by Richard Warmbrand and I've told you a story before but I'm going to tell it again because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Story is that Richard Warmbrand was in prison, and in prison it was forbidden for you to share. It's forbidden you for share God's word. It's forbidden forbidden for you to preach, and it was understood in prison that whoever was caught preaching, sharing the gospel would be severely beaten. Yet many of those in the prison would accepted the price as a privilege to share the gospel. So they made a deal: we would preach. And they would beat us. He says, and I'm going to tell you the story. He says, one um, scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards would suddenly brush, rush in, surprising him halfway through a praise. They would haul him down to the corridor of their beating room. After what seemed like an endless beating, they brought him back, threw him bloody and bruised on the prison floor. Slowly, he would pick his battered body up, painfully straighten his clothes, and says, now, brethren, where did I leave off when I was interrupted? Can I tell you, folks, people all across our world face opposition every day, face severe consequences for sharing the gospel, yet they continue to say, I'm not going to give up. And may we have that same determination in us. No matter what Satan throws my way, no matter how he disrupts what my plans are, my desire to share the gospel, I am going to be determined to share God's word with people. No matter what accusation the evil throws at me today, I want you to see um, as we continue in the passage today, which the evil's attempt for you, evil's attempt for you, listen, is to deter you from worshiping or deter you, deter you from the gospel. Secondly, evil's desire is to tr- disturb you from sharing the gospel. Now, I want you to see what Jesus. Jesus' power in this. The Bible says in verse 18, She kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Can I tell you first that Jesus has the power to deliver from Satan's strongholds? Although Satan may can oppress, he may can uh, uh, put in bondage, he may can um, create strongholds. Can I tell you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, can deliver you from Satan's strongholds in your life. See, many of you this morning, maybe you're not possessed. I don't believe you're possessed. But many of you, Satan has a stronghold in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a desire for something. Maybe you've been worshiping some other God and it seems like it has control of you. You feel like, Paul, what I don't want to do, I do do. And it seems like every time, God, you cry out and you come to this altar and you weep and say, God, I don't want this sin in my life. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to run to this God, but I just keep running to this problem. I keep running to the sin over and over. And it seems like Satan's got a stronghold on you and you can't let go of the sin and the sin doesn't seem to ever let you go can I tell you this morning that Jesus has the power to deliver you from your strongholds it doesn't matter how strong it is it doesn't seem how strong the desire is in you so, um, Jesus can deliver you from Satan's strongholds I heard a story of a man this is actually last year um, there's a story in New York Times about a man he was 51 year old he was ex-convert his name was Robert Robert um, had a terrible childhood, and he um, spent most of his life in prison. As uh, he was released from prison in in 2001, he really had a hard time finding his way back into society. He had a hard time um, paying his bills, uh, paying rent. Um, He did some time in in some shelters. Finally, in 2010, um, Robert um, had a grace-like experience. He got in a cab one day, and he was, running, he was driving down the road in a cab, and there was a man in the cab with him, and his name was Rashad Green. He was a writer. He was a film director. He looked at um, Robert, and he says, you know what? I, I know this is strange to ask you, but he says, I'm a writer and director, and I'm casting a play right now or casting a, a movie, a film, and I'm looking for a man who um, will play a tough-looking former ex-convert. He said, you wouldn't be interested in um, trying out for the part. He said, man, sure I would. Believe it or not, months later, Robert would go in and try in for the, for the play or for the film. And come to find out, and surprising of everybody who was casted, Robert won the part. story goes that Robert did a great job, and, but the, the scene in the film was, was cast on Long Island's penitentiary. And so they were filming everything in prison. One day, Robert, after a long day of shooting film, Um, was tired, and he went to a prison cell, um, believe it or not, and laid down and fell asleep. He woke up to find himself in prison. Robert, kind of in the still of a daze of sleep, thought he was back in prison. He began going to the the bars of the cell, and he began crying and weeping. Oh, no, I'm back in prison. Just crying. Oh, no, I want to be here again. Suddenly... Robert realized he'd been set free. And Robert expressed with great joy what it was like knowing that he was able, freely set free, to walk out of those bars, knowing that he had been freed before. Can I tell you, if you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I tell you, you don't have to live behind the bars anymore. You don't have to live in the despair of what sin can reign and hold you captive in bondage. You don't have to live that way. Jesus has set you free, and you can know the joy and the freedom of walking through the bondage that Satan has put you in. Do you understand that? Jesus has the power to set you free. You don't have to live in despair this morning. Secondly, I want to see Jesus' power. Jesus has the power to deliver Satan's abuses and uses... You see, in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that Paul commanded in the name of Jesus. It wasn't in Paul's strength that he did that. It wasn't in Paul's power. It was in Jesus' power that it delivered that young lady from um, that possession. The Bible says, and it came out of her that very hour. Now I want you to see the next part in verse 19. It says, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. You see, when Jesus delivered her, through his power from the strongholds of Satan and his dominion over her life. Secondly, he, his power delivered her from Satan's abuses and uses. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What did I tell you at the beginning of this passage? Is that because she was possessed, she was a slave. And because of that... The owners, the masters, would use her for their profit, right? And I really believe not only she was used and she was abused by the masters, but she was used and abused by Satan himself and the evil one who lived inside of her. It was through the evil one inside of her who abused her and her body and her voice to what? Lead so many people away from God, so many people into evil. They had abused and used her Body And when when God, Jesus of Christ, um, delivered her from the power of those things, listen, he delivered her for Satan's abuses and uses. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You know, I was reading a very powerful passage of Scripture in Second Chronicles this week. And the story was of a man who, who was a king. He was a leader of Jerusalem. And he was a very wicked king. His name was Jehoram. And the Bible says he was more wicked than any king. And the Bible says because he set up worship. Now listen what he did. Um, His father was Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat believed in only one God, and that was God of Israel. And he destroyed all other worship in Jerusalem. But when his son Jehoram came um, king, you know what he did? He set up other places of worship. He got led people in worshiping other what? Lies. Just like I told you earlier. And the Bible says he was more evil than another. And the Bible says God brought a curse against Jeroboam, And he says, I will destroy your people. And he says, "Jeroboam, because you've done wicked, you led people astray, you led people into whoredom. He says, I will bring a disease upon your bowels and you will die. And you're, listen to this, and this is graphic, but your bowels are going to come out of your body and you're going to die from that. Go read it. Second Chronicles 21. And the Bible says, now listen to this. He dies that way. He dies with his stomach guts coming out. But he had a son who became reign after him, his very own son. Now, get this. Now, if my dad died because God brought judgment on him because he led the nation in worshiping other gods and, and wicked lifestyle, I think something in my mind would click. I don't want to live that way. But you know what the Bible says? His son followed the practices of his father, and he did just what his dad did. And it led to his death as well. And can I tell you this? Listen, when evil comes upon you and he seeks to devour you, listen, he wants to put a stronghold in your life. But secondly, he wants to abuse you and he wants to use you. He wants to use you in such a way that you'll lead others to people in your family, in your children, your grandchildren, that you lead them away into the same evil that you went into. That is evil's desire for you think of maurice this week maurice sit here and told you about how he had an alcoholic dad that he didn't know at night whether he'd be beaten or he'd kill his whole family or he'd kill somebody else's family and he lived in that nightmare his whole life and his sisters lived in that nightmare but what did his sister do when she grew up she became a druggie just like her dad and folks, can I tell you, evil's desire for you is deter you from the word of God, deter you from worshiping God. Evil desire for you is he doesn't want you to share, but he wants to create a stronghold in your life. And listen, he wants to use you. He wants to abuse you. And he wants you to lead others in evil and wicked junk. Can I tell you, folks, grandparents, parents, people today, you think nobody knows what I'm doing. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter the sin of my life. Can I tell you it does? And your children, your grandchildren, they are watching you. Don't let Satan use you. Listen to me. Jesus has the power to deliver you from the strongholds. And Jesus has the power to deliver you from Satan's abuses. I think it's beautiful to know in this passage of Scripture, listen, Jesus set her free. It was gone. Jesus set her free. And what did her owner say? Oh, No. <laughs> we can't make money off of her anymore. She's not under Satan's control anymore. There's been something new is happening to her. And may you that be said of you too. Man, Satan's not reigning in their life. Evil's not reigning in their life. Something's happening in them. And they're not drawing people away from God anymore. They're drawing people to God now. I'm going to close with this. You know Phoenix... Um, in Phoenix, there's a hospital. It's called Samaritan's Regional Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And you know, they did a study about snakes, actual rattlesnakes. And you know that it is understood through their studies that rattlesnakes can are just as deadly when they're dead. That a rattlesnake thought to be dead can still strike, bite, and kill you. Doctors in Phoenix says they had a large number of patients that would come in every year who would suffer from snake bites from rattlers thought to be dead. They said sometimes the snakes were shot, their heads were cut off, but this, the snake's head would retain a reflex action. And one study showed that snake's head could actually still make a striking type motion for up to 60 minutes after decapitation. Can I tell you this morning, listen to me very clearly, that Satan, the old serpent, the Bible says, was defeated at Calvary. Hebrews 2 tells us that, he, that the high priest, by his death, destroyed him who holds the power over death. For a season, Satan can still strike and wound us. He can still hurt us, poison us, poison our relationship, and spread deadly venom to our houses and our lives. Listen, Jesus may have defeated him at the cross, but he's still at work. May we be aware of his intentions, but may we claim Jesus's power. You pray with me. Miss Gwen's going to come. And-